Kia ora. Welcome to Down to Earth Conversations, where we hear from ordinary people who are helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth. I'm Andrew Dixon. It's good to have you here. Hello, welcome to another episode of Down to Earth Conversations. Well, well done everyone for helping to protect lives during this unprecedented time. In the coming months, we really need to keep looking for ways to love and support one another, helping to bring a bit of heaven down to earth, especially for those who have been hit hard by the current situation, but also not forgetting all of those who were struggling in the world before this pandemic hit. One thing this lockdown has done is show us how valuable communication systems are. Uh, Anyone who's been working from home will know that. And people who are in the business of designing and implementing communication solutions are podcast sponsors Ignition Networks. Uh, So check them out on ignition.net.nz. Speaking of communication, while we were in lockdown, I took the opportunity to connect online with today's guest who is a fantastic communicator. Julia Grace is a keynote speaker, a TUI award-winning singer-songwriter. Uh, for those not in New Zealand, the TUIs are our national music awards. She's a registered teacher, uh, a writer, a blogger, a mental wellness advocate. Um, she's also a good laugh, as highlighted by her recent Facebook parody, uh, Nobody Knows the Stubble I've Seen, about the length of her leg hair, uh, which you can see on the Down to Earth Conversations Facebook page. We talk music teaching, storytelling, performance highlights and disasters, and her move into a focus on mental wellness driven by personal experience. This chat actually came at a great time for me personally as the lockdown pushed all my buttons and depression reared its ugly head reminding me that this is something I have to deal with on an ongoing basis. But Julia has a way of bringing light and life into these conversations and I came away from the conversation feeling really encouraged. On that note, however, since we do touch on subjects relating to mental well-being, uh, including a passing mention of suicide, please make sure that you pause the podcast if you need to and utilise your support networks if this triggers anything for you. I'll have some places to find support in the show notes, uh, but hopefully you can be encouraged by this conversation as I was. So here we go. This is episode five of Down to Earth Conversations. Here's Julia Grace. first rule came when a little girl came to the event and, and she came up to me afterwards, I spoke to a youth group about it. And the visual I had given to understand depression, she said, my dad passed away from suicide. I always thought if only I could have been a better girl, if only I'd been a better student, maybe I could have saved them. And I realized today that there was nothing I could do. And in that moment, I was like, okay, either my job here is done or my job here is just beginning. Cool, so welcome to the Down to Earth Conversations podcast. Today we have Julia Grace with us. Kia ora, Julia. Kia ora. Uh, how are you? I'm good, down to earth, in my bubble. Enjoying lockdown life? Oh, actually, yeah. Um, I'm really aware that it's not great for everybody. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think having it working well is, is privilege. And I'm really aware of that. 
Um, but for me and as for me and my bubble, um, <laughs> we're actually quite enjoying. <laughs> we're quite enjoying having some time, partly because we are, uh, yeah, like two thirds of us are able to work from home, and um, yeah, that that makes a huge difference. Yeah, and and you've got a, a lockdown leaf, I see, that's keeping you company. Ooh, I do, and it's, it's going to have a, um, yeah, so this is not the lockdown leaf, um, the one next to me today, but it's going to have a little comeback this week. The lockdown leaf has surprised even me. I've had, there's been rumours that I've been faking the lockdown leaf. <laughs> so if you don't know about it, which is everybody, um, it was a tiny leaf that showed itself, I think on day two of lockdown, of my Monstera plant. And it, it hadn't had a leaf for forever. And I repotted it just before um, lockdown, which is probably really the reason that it's grown. And suddenly this new leaf appeared. And so I thought, oh, I'll make a video about it. And then a week later, that tiny little leaf is really quite spectacularly large. Well, this week it was as big as all the other leaves. So I literally could have sat and stared at the lockdown leaf and possibly seen some changes, but I didn't. So <laughs> I'm not faking it. Awesome. <laughs> So if you want to catch up with the lockdown leaf, just head to Julia's Facebook page and, and you can see what she's talking about. When I first heard of you, you were, uh, it was way back in the early 2000s, um, and you were playing in a band called Elevator. Um, since then, you went on to do solo stuff. Um, you won Tui Awards, uh, been nominated for other things. You've done hundreds of gigs around the place. Was music always going to be part of the, the story for you? Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I was from a generation where music was by no way a full-time position mm. in any way. Unless maybe you worked for the Philharmonic Orchestra, you know, like you could find some kind of niche like that. Very, very few people had the ability to turn that in. So there was no big expectation from my behalf that it would ever make any money or be part of any sort of job. Um, and in a way, um, that took the pressure off because it meant that my creativity wasn't expected to make all of my income. And yeah. so it was just, yeah. So it was a sideline. It was something I worked as a school teacher because mum was like, yeah, that's lovely that you do music. Get a real job, you know. And But you can teach music at school, you know, sort of thing. So alongside my teaching always came, I was inevitably the teacher with a guitar, um, I was the the helper at the youth group. I was the girl in the church musicals um, and, and then eventually into the church worship team. So music was always on the agenda. Um, being a job, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> did, did you enjoy the teaching? Yeah, I loved it. Um, and I think for me, ironically, most of my stage craft was formed in the classroom you know when you're chucked up in front of 713 year olds and say can you do thing for like half an hour and entertain them um you know they're a tough crowd and <laughs> you learn a lot that you wouldn't learn at jazz school or you know equally wonderful places to be but I learned I learned how to be on the fly and I learned how to perform and entertain and I think more than anything it tapped into my communication skills yeah beyond the ability to sing. Some might have a beautiful voice, but they may not be a communicator. Mm. Um, and I always saw myself as a communicator who often communicated by a song. Mm. So it was about more than just being a musician for you from quite early on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was always about the stories and the, it, it was all about telling a story, I mm. think. And part of 
the ability to um, to create a melody and I, I love singing and I love creating beautiful sounds with my voice. That's really fun because that's something that I'm good at doing. Um, and so, but I always was aware that there was more to it than just a pretty sound or, or a beautiful melody that was by which um, something else could kind of come out. But in saying that, I still also love to sing. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting you, you say about the story because uh, on my notes here to talk to you about, I've actually got storyteller question mark. You know, that that's <laughs> as I think of you, that's something I think about is is your ability yeah. to tell stories. And I think back to when I first saw you perform solo live um, and the I can't remember anything else about that night, but I came away just captured by why is this woman crying? Um, yeah. Oh, and oh, yeah. and the, the story that, that told you know that uh, it, it wasn't I didn't just come and be entertained I guess um, and is that something that you think has helped people resonate with what you do yeah yeah I think I think so um, because to me the the story is the part that that connects one to another it's almost like I imagine do you remember overhead transparencies yeah. <laughs> you're as old as you know, um, so those some, things of, where some you of have... my listeners won't be, but yeah, I, <laughs> okay, I so it's a light behind it and it shines up on the wall. And um, but the, the the idea of the overhead's like a slide or a transparent film, and you can overlay one on top of the other. And so one is a picture, and then you can put another color on top, and it would like you know be on top, and it would move around. And I think the power of story is the overlay, and a story in a song is those moments where you go oh my goodness, she's talking about me. Mm. Uh, and and my story overlays onto this story and yet it's being presented in this beautiful form. So it could be a movie, it could be a song, it could be a poem, it could be a piece of art, but somewhere in it it goes, my story somehow resonates. Might it be exactly the same, but some, there's an overlay there. And so I think by telling our stories, we allow people um, to be, you know, captured by the melody, their heart opened by the sound of the music and the song and all the emotion that comes with that. But it's the story whereby the the real emotional connection. Mm. I remember driving down where I was on tour once and we were listening to Adele, you know, her first amazing album, 21. And, um, you know, she was singing a song and I just had my heart broken and I was like, that's me, you know, she's singing my song. And then you get to the part in the song that doesn't apply to you and it's like, oh, it's me. oh not that bad. Oh, no, definitely not that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no more. But well, it's back to me. And this idea that somehow this artist um, is beautifully somehow communicating my story by accident. Yeah. And there's a sort of connection point. And I know for me that's been really part of my healing journey is other people's songs being my overhead transparency. And one of the most amazing things about being an artist is when other people come and say the same to me. So mm. your song overlaid onto my life in this moment in time and it, and it, it hit me somehow and to me I'm like oh that's amazing you know mm. you can't get past that yeah yeah so I guess that leads into how, how does your faith play into your music mm. do you see them as one and the same like is it just something that there's some overlap there um, or actually is this mm. an expression of yeah what a great question I think um I think I've slowly become more used to the the sound of my own voice 
figuratively speaking, as far as storytelling. And also, I think as I've travelled through a faith journey, um, I've also been given permission that our stories are God's stories, that every story is a God story. You know, every life is a, you know, that, that every every moment. And, and as, um, as image bearers, when I cry when I laugh when I rejoice when I fall over when I stand up those are all faith stories and I think um you know back in the day I used to say that I would sing I was when I sang I said the words that I thought I should say and then I slowly over time morphed into saying what I really thought (laughs) and I you know some of that is that bravery that comes when when you're brought up in a a fundamentalist background as most of us from the 70s and 80s were let's face it um you say and do what you feel is the right thing to do it's orthodoxy right belief you know I, I say the right thing I'm very careful not to sing the wrong thing it's very general um the stories are about the goodness of God and 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 if it's we don't talk about doubt or fear or <laughs> humanity and you know that all we don't talk about that stuff. We just, you know, whatever is good and honest and true and lovely and whatever. And I think over time we begin to realise that it's okay to sing a song about your doubt. Mm. Because the God story is still there. Yeah. Because part of my journey, because if we don't doubt, well then I I haven't turned my brain on because yeah. there's plenty of things to doubt about, you know what I mean? And I'm sure you feel many aspects the same way. If we don't sing about our tears, then we are pretending we don't have them and then we are somehow pretending that God didn't make that part of us and then and yeah, we become very one-dimensional or two-dimensional, I guess. So over time I've felt like my faith has maybe been less visible. Um, in the music industry, I'm sure you're aware, we used to have a thing called JPMs, which is Jesus's per minute. Um, <laughs> and this came from the American, um, like, Christian, CCM, Christian Contemporary Music scene, and songs that didn't have a high JPM or didn't say Jesus in the first, you know, 20 seconds didn't count. That wasn't a, wow. a quote-unquote song. Yeah, and, and so oh, three JPMs on that album. Um, and actually understanding that that is ridiculous. And, um, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the roots of some of the thinking and some of the fears that if you didn't have enough Christian reference that you were not making enough of a Christian song for Christian radio. Um, and yet going, well, where does that put every other part of my life an expression where does that put joy and the beauty or pain and the heartbreak or you know boring old life mm. <laughs> walk around saying jpms in my everyday life so why would i constantly put them into songs just to keep people happy but yet my and yet to come back in my long with answer your question i think everything has a faith element because for me it's just it's everywhere yeah i think I mean, my experience of it, um, particularly from a pastoral perspective, is that when we've turned the word Christian into the adjective, um, we're yeah, describing yeah. our music and our books, yeah. and it, it it causes a separation that 
yeah. some things are faith-based and some things aren't. But actually, the, the biblical story seems to be trying to tell us that actually the whole of life is about faith. The whole of yeah. life. Um, and so to, to separate music into categories of Christian or not Christian because of JPMs is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. So yeah. so obviously that's then outworked in your writing. Um, your your songs reflect that now. Yeah, absolutely. And yet I still you'll find JPMs. You know, you'll you'll find that's the thing is it's not about going. Okay, I'm not going to do that. It's about it's not about that. Yeah. So I often um, you know hymns and songs and. Um, I did a, a song online last week, just did an old hymn when I survey the wondrous cross. And, you know, I don't, you know, not every piece of, of classic music is theologically sound or exactly how we understand um, our theology, but it doesn't matter because that was the expression. I mean, it's a beautiful song. It's a beautiful expression of a heart seeking after God and expressing their understanding of that in that day. And it still stands today. Um, and I love taking the old songs and re, reworking them, um, often writing my own verses or creating another verse or a little bit of a, um, a relevance to my own story. So it's kind of weaving the stories together. So it's not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, um, but then it's not also feeling some pressure to be just going triumphalism, you know, yeah, and, all, and all that stuff. I just think it's actually going, look, what I'm required to do is deal with today, strength for today, hope for tomorrow. That's, that's about all I've got. <laughs> and if we all, you know, had the prayer of strength for today and hope for tomorrow, I believe that we'd be in a great space. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking, yeah. So, yeah, there's hymns, there's, there's real faith songs on there. And using the hymns is a great way to cross into the world of people who may not necessarily feel the same as me from a faith or a particularly Christian stream point of view, but they can also understand that those are songs that have stood the test of time. So it's, I think it's, it's a beautiful little space in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah cool. Um, before we move to uh, less music based questions, just a few, a few quick ones. Favorite gig. Have you had a, oh. a favorite thing that you've played at or, or favorite series of things or anything memorable I think maybe my first certainly memorable was um the first tour that I did after going through a really difficult time in my life um and I ended up separated and then eventually divorced and I did a tour with Tia Fund and they contacted me the year before in November and they said, do you want to do this tour in April? And I was like, ah, oh, I'll be fine by April. You know, like, how can <laughs> And it came to April and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so hard. Um, and yet so doing what I knew I needed to be doing. And I connected up on that tour with a beautiful woman from Tear Fund whose best friend had passed away two weeks earlier from cancer. And so she came in utterly broken and I came in uh, just a hot mess and we just connected and we probably laughed more in those three weeks than I have ever laughed in my life before or since. We just had this amazing, fresh time, getting up on stage every night, just telling the story. The audiences were amazing. We had this cool chick from um, 
Uganda who came and so we had incredible response to to all of that and I think it showed for me a restart um and yeah they they were the biggest gigs I've played in you know huge stadiums and big areas and overseas and all that sort of thing but I think there was something really special about that time and the group that we were with yeah cool around there yeah and I still have people referring back to um that tour and how pivotal it was in my journey but boy we had some fun awesome <laughs> yeah. Spe- speaking of fun uh, I'm a musician mm. and I know that things don't always go how you want them to have, have what's your most disastrous gig is there anything that just went completely pear-shaped um, there's so is there's so is. I mean I've had a few I've I have played um a massive uh big event at a conference and you know not not turn my guitar on I've done a few of those and you know literally um had technical stuff but probably the worst was I opened parachute festival um with my fly down <laughs> <laughs> mercifully uh, I was wearing black and I had a black bodysuit underneath so there wasn't much to see but it was very very funny and at the time um do you remember Ivan Beats from Wash yeah. Um, yeah yeah so he was doing a rap on one of my songs and we were up on the stage and so his wife was on the side of stage and and the team was over there goth was there and all the guys that you would know and they were trying to get him to when he came on to do his part to tell me and he was like I can't do it I can't do it and they were like you have to tell her and he's like I'm not doing it so he came on to this piece looked rather sheep but um didn't say anything and then later on it so funny. yeah so um that went down in the annals of history yeah awesome. for quite <laughs> <laughs> so yeah awesome. that's it <laughs> um who, who have been the biggest influences on your music? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, I think young, young wise, I was really brought up with the whole, like, you know, Keith Green and the, the, that sort of thing. And the second chapter of Axe, who were just this crazy trio of two sisters and a brother. Um, and I was brought up with the, the likes of Larry Norman, Randy Stonehill and those sort of things. And I think there was this thing that you can, um, you can write, you know, really cool music from a from a faith perspective, and I, I love that. And then, of course, the Amy Grants jumping around in my bedroom, singing into my hairbrush. Um, thank goodness there wasn't TikTok in those days, or there'd be thousands of those being made. But um, nobody could see. But I think moving forward, um, Sarah McLaughlin was a huge influence of mine, just vocally, musically. I think listening to a singer from a she's Canadian, but she's from that real anglo-saxon celtic background mm. and i heard things in her voice and thought yeah that sounds that that, that sounds like something I, I could do and i think it was nice um it's nice for at, at the time when i was probably singing the most formatively in my early 20s there was a lot of um like r&b music and stuff going around and that was really cool and i loved it but i'm not you know i'm, I'm, I'm very much a white girl and i Think to hear another white girl voice that was different and to go oh that that is me because I, I can attempt the other stuff and I did um but it's nice when you find your style and um yeah so a little bit more Celtic a little bit more country mm-hmm. and actually kind of going oh 
yeah, that's that's me. It's like when you try on some clothes and they actually fit your body shape for the yeah, first yeah. time. <laughs> like, yeah, actually, this is I can do that. I can pull that off, but I'm a lot better with this. Another artist, Heather Nova, um, just around that time. Some really, probably some fairly abstract artists that people may not have even heard of, but they were just, um, yeah, they had different voices. They had unusual tones and voices and I, I loved matching their tones at times when I was learning so yeah and then of course into the old um who was the ones that sang majesty and delirious yeah like that whole big stadium transcendent sound I'm like the world's biggest Coldplay fan um and I'll fight anyone who doesn't like I don't care I don't, they, to me they make the most transcendently beautiful music so combination of that real ethereal sound and then um yeah and then actual songs I think created the I guess the elevator sound and then beyond what a lot of people who have heard of you won't realize is that Grace isn't actually your last name um how how did (laughs) the stage name Julia Grace come about so it's my middle name which I have um and so when I, my my married name was Julia Vucic at the time and um, nobody could pronounce it. And so literally <laughs> when I was first going um, solo with Parachute, um, the A&R manager went around the office and said, you know, can you read this name off a piece of paper? And, and people who have known both my ex-husband and me for our entire lives still pronounce it wrong <laughs> they struggle with the spelling it's a Croatian name it's a great name but um you know it's my kid's surname but it's um it's it's a tricky one and it's tricky to spell it's tricky to say and when someone who's known you 35 years is still saying it wrong you sort of like thinking maybe that's not going to be the best option yeah so we um we kind of plumped on using grace instead and um interestingly it's worked out really well for me because my name has changed in the past, you know, it has changed in the meantime and it hasn't then had to affect any of my my stage branding or anything on a practical level. And and that's been really cool. Um, but I do have some funny things. I, I would get off and ask, I was with World Vision and we're doing a tour and they wrote down on my um, hotel booking thing they booked me in as Miss World Vision (laughs) probably in my like early 30s at the time and and I was staying in a hotel in Wellington and a guy came up to me and he says look we just need to we're having a bet up back in the kitchen are you in fact Miss World Vision (laughs) I I said well if there was a Miss World I'm thinking she would be like, you know, six foot four, probably um, Somalian or just some. Totally. I'm thinking Imam, you know, I'm thinking some Tyra Banks, some beautiful, glorious, dark skinned, not me. <laughs> <laughs> this five foot eight white girl ain't world Miss World Vision, but thank you for thinking that it might be me. So I've been called lots of things. <laughs> awesome. Um, if you were in, in the habit of Googling yourself, which I'm sure you, you do regularly, um, you, you'll find what what you find when you Google Julia Grace now is not just music, but actually there's a whole stack of stuff there about mental wellness, and that yeah. that's become a big part of your journey. Do you want to just tell us a bit about how how did that shift happen, and um, what has that journey been like for you? 
Absolutely. When I just, just as an aside, when I first started using Julia Grace, I Googled myself very early on and it came up a picture of two llamas, one called Julia and one called Grace. So that's, <laughs> I've, I've, I've dethroned the llamas, thank goodness for that. Um, yeah, well, a few years ago, so probably looking at like sort of five years ago now, um, I went through a period of time where I was under a lot of pressure and under a lot of stress and I began to realise that what I was dealing with was beyond just heartbreak grief normal you know life stuff I was feeling very flat very beige um very not myself and other people began to pick up um around me that something was not right and I was challenged by a friend to go to the doctor um very bluntly and upfront. and I'm really grateful that he was brave enough to tell me that um I've said to him since I'm so glad that you're so rude uh, because he said no one's going out on my watch and, and something's wrong. So I, I realised that I was dealing with um, clinical depression and anxiety and, and all the spectrum of mental wellness. So I did go to the doctor and I sought help. I sought therapy, medication, um, counselling, all, all the usual things that, that we do to help us with our mental wellbeing. And I began to kind of resurface out of that time um, to a degree, although I, you can't get, you can't fix mental health because it's just something that's it's not a fixable nor non-fixable thing. It's just it's just part of life. But I began to improve my mental health, I guess. And during that time, I was asked to speak um, at a conference, and they said, "Well, you know, what do you want to talk about? Do you want to do a workshop?" And the year before, I'd done coping in crisis and talked about what to do and what not to do when someone's going through absolute mm. crazy time. And so I said, well, this year I've dealt with depression, so maybe I'll do dealing with depression. So I've done coping in crisis, dealing with depression. So we're sort of on a downhill slide. So I said, well, the following year I'll do um, embracing euthanasia and then funding your own funeral. We'll just go like on a big <laughs> manic depressive slide now. Um, but I basically just talked about what my experience was, some of the things that I had gone through and, um, and then done some research on how that works. And so I did this workshop. Little did I know, um, I had two doctors and a, a psychologist had come to the event to hear me talk. And, and they all came up and gave me really positive feedback awesome. and said, you know, we loved what you said, but also the point of view, the, the putting it into the story, and also the teacher, you know, like uh, unpacking that, giving it a little bit of a visual. Um, and then the last draw, or the first draw, came when a little girl came to the event and, and she came up to me afterwards. I spoke to a youth group about it. And the visual I had given to understand depression, she said, my dad passed away from suicide a number of years ago and this is the first time I've ever, I always thought if only I could have been a better girl, if only I'd been a better student, maybe I could have saved them. And I realised today that there was nothing I could do. Yeah. And in that moment I was like, okay, either my job here is done or my job here is just beginning. Um, and there's something here. I'm not the world expert. I'm not the psychologist. I'm not the doctor. I'm simply the communicator. But I'm, I'm kind of the interpreter between the big, the big words and the stories and, and the fun stuff and the, the pictures and the, the metaphors at the other side and I I stand between the two and I have found um, just purely talking about my own experience and then the experience of others 
has just led me down this path of positive feedback, mm. which has made me believe that this is the right thing to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I make a joke impression on stage and they love it. <laughs> and I guess like, when you're doing it from a personal perspective of actually I've been through some of this, it gives mm. you right, the right to make those jokes. Um, and and people, you're not making fun <laughs> of people, you're making light of, you're bringing some light into the situation. Um, yeah. Not making, yeah. You're a, not making light of it, um, but you're bringing, no. bringing light into it. Yeah, it's a heavy topic and you need a light touch. You know, you need to in these times to to kind of come in and out of that and um you know i i don't talk about fighting depression battling depression winning over depression casting out depression i just talk about dealing with it and managing it because um i firmly believe that everyone's on a mental wellness spectrum and that can change day to day hour to hour year to year um week to week and this whole thing that we need to run away from and fight against school win or you know I'm better not better if I was better I'd, my, I'd be dead you know my brain would have stopped working um I'm I might be weller <laughs> but it doesn't mean I'm either well or sick it's just where am I on that speech yeah. yeah that that's a big thing that I had to learn um because I've also been through depression and anxiety um and uh been walking through that with the congregation that I'm part of as well um being open and honest about that uh and it's amazing mm. how many Christians particularly um feel like they should be okay because God's in the picture and therefore oh. they're not allowed to be admitting they're unwell because that's somehow showing their deficiency as a Christian and um and so anyway that, that's been a big part of my story but uh, I remember uh last year two years ago now um and uh, coming up to a, a hui up in the North Island and uh, I'd had some uh, a couple of weeks of pretty bad depression um, and then I was feeling much better very quickly and so mm. I, I went okay I'm better and then I went to this hui and, and we had um, someone talking there about anxiety and I just yeah. disintegrated and and the big learning for <laughs> me the big learning for me in that situation was that Yes, I was better than I had been two weeks ago, but better and well are not the same thing. And that, yeah, actually, I I hadn't, you know, I I wouldn't call myself well at that point, but I was much better. And and so that was a huge thing about that continuum where that shifted for me around this: you're well or you're not. You know, it's it's this dual thing. If you if you're thinking of it yeah. like that, you either are or you aren't. Mm. And you don't yeah. get to be unwell until you're so unwell that you're clearly not okay. Uh, whereas if it's a spectrum, yeah. a, a continuum yeah. of sorts, then actually we're all on that. We're all in different stages of that. And actually, let's just be honest about where we are. Um, yeah. So that's why yeah. I like the messages that, that you're sharing is because actually yeah. you're not trying to fix people. Um, you're not going, yeah. hey, you're broken. Here's a fix. You're going, hey, yeah. let's let's journey in this together. Here's some things that I've found helpful. Um, you know, we can get through this. Um, we can. And the thing is, I, I love my brain, and it it you know it, it functions differently on some days. And and actually, I was brought up very rigid, you know, and it was you know you're on the track or you're off the track, dualistic on or off. But what that does is it drives you underground, 
for most of the spectrum until you can no longer hold it together and then you completely, you know, you're walking down the road screaming or something really extreme. Um, and there's no middle ground. So there's no preparation time. There's no um, therapeutic time. There's no soothing. There's no ability to work on personal responsibility. It's just literally like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm done. <laughs> and it's not, yeah, <laughs> it's like cooking popcorn, you know, it's like everything's fine and then next minute it's all burning and it's, it's actually not giving it that time to just go. There's so many opportunities um, for beautiful therapeutic behaviour along that spectrum um, that God has given us to take time and to, you know, to, to actually care for ourselves and the environment and the others around us and all those sort of things. We're missing all those opportunities by waving our arms in the air going, I'm fine, and those people are useless and sick, and then suddenly now I'm now I'm one of them, and, you know, it's just it's horrible. And it does but become still a them, in, them and us, doesn't it? 100%. Yeah, sick and well, dumb and smart, you know, losers and non-losers, and that's what, that's what it feels like, and that's how it felt um, to admit that, you know, to admit that, oh, I'm, I'm actually in that category. Now, the problem is, as you said earlier about being a Christian, when you feel a certain way, but you feel that you shouldn't feel a certain way, it just makes it worse. It's like you're getting whipped with a should. I should feel, I shouldn't. And um, we get this total, our brains can't compute, and we end up with this absolute cognitive dissonance where we say, well, I feel this way, but I, I'm supposed to feel this way. And that, and that is the fight. So you're putting an already stressed brain under more stress. And so you say, well, you shouldn't feel this way because you're a Christian. And Christians are supposed to be, you know, living under the blessing of God. And then you shouldn't feel this way because you're middle class. And what have you got to complain about? Look at your lovely house. And I bet you don't have, you know, water coming through the ceiling. And, and you shouldn't feel this way because look at your wonderful marriage and your family. And, and other people have got it far worse off than you. And you live in New Zealand and you're so lucky. And, 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 and so there's these layers of shame that I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, and yet I do. And what do we do with that? Um, and and so what it does is it drives us to such an extreme before we get any help. So my main goal is to just express, you know, mental wellness issues are reasonable, universal, and manageable. They make sense. Perfect sense. Um, the universal, we're all on the spectrum, and they're totally manageable. Yeah. There's so much we can, heaps and heaps of cool things we can do um, from from pharmaceuticals, you know, to, to medication, to going for a walk, to philanthropy, reaching out to those around us. We can just run through that list and, and use so many tools in the toolbox mm -hmm. to help us out. Yeah, awesome. Have you noticed... Um, like from, I guess, from your communications with people during this lockdown period, what have you noticed in terms of people's need to hear these these um, messages? I think um, I've noticed that we get a lot of um, information type information, so sort of statistics and here's the information. And then we have the real personal experience of it. And I think what the sweet spot for me has been just being able to just be having that sort of fun, supportive 
hey, we're all here. Um, I think people are aware that, yes, I'm inside, so that probably feels scary, or yes, there's a virus, so that probably feels a bit weird. But actually some some permission to um, to take breaks, to take some time off, to, to, to give themselves a little bit of leeway and freedom. And I think what I'm finding is that people are either going like extreme productive, they're freaking out and like, right, this is the time to build my business, or they're going extreme like, right, we're just letting it all hang out and laying on the couch. Um, and neither of those things are a holistic way of caring for your mental health. Yeah. Um, yeah, one is literally going to just drive you to burnout. And the other one's probably going to lull you into a dip. And so actually just sort of my, my message has been probably gently probing, you know, hey, just don't forget these things are happening. This is what's going on in your brain. Um, and I'm noticing people responding to that gentle encouragement. I think we're being told what to do a lot. And I think people are enjoying just being encouraged rather than being ordered around yeah. <laughs> we're getting a lot of instructions yeah so the stories the songs the the lockdown leaf yeah. <laughs> um, having a laugh just, yeah yeah just having a bit of fun and, and so the feedback i've been getting is is just been more of that um hey you know the information's mixed in with with just the normal because most of life is just normal everyday stuff you know we're dealing with just pressures and you know is it sunny or not we don't have a lot going on at the moment so there's a lot of white noise out in the background but we've still got to deal with what's in front of us yeah I'm really aware of people starting to run out of steam um and so one of the things that I've been doing this week is I've had a bunch of churches and that begin to approach me to come and do um at a church, I'm going to do like a worship set for their life groups. Um, just just record video for them. Um, I'm doing a Facebook Live with the C3 Church. Um, I've put together, we're doing live streaming of a church event for World Vision this Sunday and next Sunday. And a lot of leaders and, and groups, they, to start with, they're like, right, we're going to get into this and we've got heaps of good ideas and it's just so great, you know. And then four weeks in, it's like, we're getting a bit sick of hearing this. <laughs> That same old guy and the same old guitar, and you know, and unless you've got huge amounts of resources, people are getting really tired. And so I've sort of ramped up my creating and have been putting more stuff into a couple of places online for people just to start pulling on. And my greatest pleasure is people just using the stuff that I have. And just if you've got a place to use it, go for it. Like just go ahead and use it. And I'll continue to put, um, you know, songs up on mm. things like that for people if they can find places because people are getting tired. So if yeah, people do want to interact with you on the online yeah. space, where, where do we find you? Mm. Yeah, so I've just created a slight sort of side brand called Mental Wellness Matters. And so Mental Wellness Matters is presented and created by me, but it's also a way for me to put – the content into school and community spaces as well as church spaces which is just a little bit of a, an idea that I had 
Um, and so on Facebook, I've got Julia Grace, but I've also got uh, Mental Wellness Matters is where the resources are kind of curated. So that's the place to go. Um, and they link all the time. You'll see connections between the two. Um, Instagram, Julia Grace, and then Mental Wellness Matters as well. They're linked between the two. Um, and then I'm literally over the next two days just working on the website mentalwellnessmatters.co.nz and just having streams of resources there. And also just like don't for anyone, just don't be shy to approach me. Everyone who everyone who's asked me to do something, I can. Like at the moment, I'm here, I'm here. <laughs> you know, if you need a song or a or a blurb or a, a chat or a, a joke or whatever, just you know, I'm I'm right here. And um, just using that whole um, framework in this time, I think, has been really powerful. So just reaching out on any of those platforms, love to help. Awesome. Well, thanks so much mm. for joining us today and for, for sharing your story with us. Uh, I, I really appreciate um, the, the way that through your songs, through your stories, through your humour, uh, through your own struggles, um, you have... Um, yeah, being able to just bring a bit of heaven down to earth. That's awesome. So, yeah, thank you for your time um, and bless you for the future. Awesome, thanks. I'm so glad that Julia learned to move from saying what she thought she should say to saying what she wants to say because... Uh, she has great things to say. It's okay to sing a song about doubt. It's okay to not be okay. She's so good at making people feel comfortable in these uncomfortable spaces. Uh, I also love that she's used her talents to support other people doing good in the world, like Tear Fund and World Vision. And that's another way that we can bring a bit of heaven down to earth, is supporting those who are already doing that. Julia is a classic case of someone whose own journey through difficult times has brought about much good, not only for her, but for many others too. And it's not that difficult times are good in and of themselves, but that humanity is part of a bigger story where death is a catalyst for resurrection, where going through the fire can burn away some of the unhelpful things in the way that we look at life. So if you are currently in a great space, have a think about what your more challenging times have taught you, and also look at how you can support those who aren't in that space at the moment. And if you are in that place of struggle for whatever reason, Aroha nui ki akwe. much love to you. Keep going, and please reach out for help, because you don't have to do this alone. Julia has heaps of helpful short videos to support you on her social media pages, so make sure you check them out. Uh, Julia Grace is one word, or Mental Wellness Matters on Facebook and Instagram. And if you haven't heard Julia's music, check her out on Spotify, um, or just Google her and you'll find a whole lot of great stuff. So thanks, Julia, for taking the time for this conversation. And thanks for what you do to help to bring a bit of heaven down to earth through your stories, your music, your laughs, uh, your honesty, and the encouragement around mental wellness. If you don't already follow Down to Earth Conversations on Facebook or Instagram, um, I'd love to connect and hear from you guys, the listeners. Also, if you found this conversation valuable, please share it with friends and family. Uh, this podcast only grows because of you guys and I really appreciate your support. Join me next time as I talk to photographer and all-round great guy Jared Yeowood about beauty, love, joy, creativity, 
uh, digging into the darker places within, not to mention drastic life changes, deportation and US federal prison. Until then, me inoi tātou. E tō mātou matuai te rangi, kia tapu tō ingoa, kia tau mai tō rangatiratanga, kia mea te tau e pai ai ki runga ki te whenua, kia rite anō ki tō te rangi. Humai kia mātou ai nei, he taroma mātou mō tēnei rā, mūroa o mātou harā. Me mātou hoki e muru nei i o te hunga e harana kia mātou. Aua hoki mātou e kawea kia whakawaia. Engari whakorangia mātou i te kino. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.